morning, Super Flex City. Welcome back to Super Flexible Podcast, episode 123, here with friend of the show, quarterback guru, Mark Schofield. Mark, how the heck are you, first of all? Uh, I'm doing well. It's great to be with you, Shane. Great to be back oh, with man. you. Oh, man. Um, Thank you. We, we got some news that dropped literally like the second before we hopped on mm-hmm. with a little J.J. Watt news, but uh, I think we're going to be talking about other stuff, but we could dive into that too if you want. A little sidetracked, are we? Yeah, let's let's hear bit. it. Let's hear it. I mean, I, I so J.J. Watt announced it himself, showing him on the squat rack with an Arizona Cardinals jersey on, two years, $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. And my initial reaction is I would hate to be Russell Wilson um, because now you've got Aaron Donald, you've got J.J. Watt, you've got Chandler Jones. Like That's some good pass rushers in that division. So maybe he will want that trade to yeah. the Chicago Bears after all. I was going to say we joked before the show like oh he's he's asking for that trade now but i mean seriously this could actually change things because i mean seattle's got to start to make the right moves to make russell wilson happy outside of just money and contracts i mean he wants to win another super bowl he's sick of being beat up he wants his job to be a little bit easier for him so yeah i'm curious dude i i would uh hate to have him in the Bears, to be honest with you, going against my Lions in that division. But at this point, you have to start to wonder what Russell Wilson en- ends up wanting to do. But I-, I think he's staying in Seattle. I mean, I think he stays in Seattle. They have 39 million reasons that he has to stay in Seattle, at least until June 1st. And, you know, a post-June 1st trade of a quarterback, like that's a little bit dicey. You know, it would be a little bit easier for Seattle to swallow from a financial position if they did it then. But, you know, acquired a QB late, like – that's risky for the team that gets him. And that's mm-hmm. risky for Seattle because then they'd have to have a backup plan. So I think the money makes it so he stays in Seattle. But I don't know. I mean, it's been so weird this entire offseason with all this quarterback stuff. It's just like really yes. driven the conversation. Yes. Um, and, and what will be interesting for like the next four hours. Um, but we will move on quickly to whether it's a Watson trade or right. who knows what. Or Prescott getting franchise tagged again. Who knows? But and, the quarterbacks really just, have it, driven it. Yes, and even as as the intro music was coming in, I'm thinking like, man, I could talk to Mark Schofield all day, and there's so many things I, I want to talk about in the direction. So we have like free agency, rookie stuff going on. I know you're huge in, into the rookies right now. I mean, I think everybody's huge into the rookies. I mean, but we didn't mention like some of the important stuff from what you're doing with, I mean, still inside the pylon, Touchdown Wire at USA Today, The Sco Show, all that stuff. I mean, you can find this rookie content everywhere. I know you're guesting on a lot of shows talking about rookies. It's it's a lot of, it's a lot of what we hear, but I did want to talk about, there's no way we're going to get around that, but I did want to talk about some other stuff too. So now we're hearing that maybe Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater goes to the 49ers. Of all things, like, and I don't know what kind of move this is. I don't know if it's a kind of move where they're working on a sale for Jimmy G, maybe to your Patriots. Maybe. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I, it's, it's so strange, Shane, from the position of if the 49ers want to get a quarterback coming off of a knee injury that can run their offense, they have a quarterback that's coming off of a knee injury that can run their offense in Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, it almost seems like Bridgewater is – in a sense, a lateral move, maybe a bit of a cost-saving move because Garoppolo's number is bigger than, than Bridgewater's. But I tended to believe that 
if Kyle Shanahan was going to make a move for a quarterback, it was going to be either for a rookie or Deshaun Watson. Like he was going to go either rookie big or Watson big, not this kind of side lateral type move. Now, maybe it is something they would do in conjunction with perhaps drafting some. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe the idea is we'll save a little bit of money. We'll have Bridgewater as our bridge, you know, no pun intended, and then draft somebody. You know, as much as I believe that given these five quarterbacks in the top of the rookie class, we'll see five in the top 10. Maybe one of them does get to 12 or maybe one of them slides to, say, 10 to a place where San Francisco is comfortable coming up a few spots to get a rookie. And so maybe if that's a, a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones, both of whom I think would be guys Kyle Shanahan would like, now you at least have a little bit of leeway to turn the offense over to them. So you know, maybe this is part of their plan. Maybe this is step one of their two-step plan to fix their quarterback position. As far as Garoppolo to New England, I wouldn't hate it. You know, New England is in such a strange place quarterback-wise because they're at 15 and absent a similar slide that we just talked about, I don't think they can get a quarterback that's going to be ready to go in the next year or two. Yeah, and um, we've heard some Marcus Mariota. Yeah, I mean, we've heard some well. Mariota. Um, there's always the option that they bring Cam Newton back. I mean, I would not rule mm-hmm. that out either. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, if, if they decide to make a move on the trade market, Garoppolo would certainly be somebody they would entertain. You know, he knows the system. He knows the offense. They know him. Um, they were able to have him playing at a relatively decent level before he had his injury uh, that made them go to Jacoby Brissett and then Brady came off his suspension. And so I, I think the fit, would make sense. Um, it'd be kind of like an okay, like fine, I get it. Like I'd much rather see them swing big for one of these rookies, but it just might be too much for them in terms of giving up draft capital to go get one of those guys. How do you feel about the comments that Cam Newton made about Nikhil Harry and that maybe we've given up on him a little too soon? He was still playing a little bit hobbled last year at times. And have you given up on Nikhil Harry as a Patriots fan? <sighs> I'm I'm close to giving up on Harry. I mean, I've I've always been of the mind that you give players like three years to figure it out. But, but I think part of the issue with Harry is they're trying to figure out a way to use him. You know, he, he struggled to see the field as a rookie. He got iced out of the Brady circle of trust thanks to a pick that he ran a bad route on and didn't fight for the ball. They tried to scheme touches for him, and that didn't quite work. They tried to scheme touches for him last year. It didn't quite work. I think one of the things that Harry has shown us, and this is something that I'm working on in my old wide receiver evaluations, is if a guy's trump card in the college game is like contested catch situations and and 50-50 balls and things like that, those become 30-70 balls in the NFL. Mm. Like it's one thing when you're, you know, winning at the catch point against a a Pac-12 corner that, you know, maybe is a younger player or maybe never makes it to the NFL. You know, if you're – fighting with those guys and winning, that's one thing, but it doesn't exactly translate one-to-one to to doing it in the NFL. And the other sort of undercurrent to that idea of the contested catch receiver is if they have to be in contested catch situations, they're not separated. You need to be able to separate. And if you can't do it in college, you're certainly going to struggle to do it in the NFL. And so, you know, I'm not ready to give up on him. I think Newton from day one last year was very open to bringing Harry along and serving as kind of a mentor to him. And so I'm not surprised that Newton – is out there, you know, gassing them up a bit. So I'm not certainly ready to walk away, but the clock is ticking, Shane. Maybe maybe Cam Newton just did the right thing as a friend. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's something to that. And I do think that, you know, Newton's leadership mattered 
for the Patriots last year. And I, I do think that's why you're seeing these stories that Bill Belichick has done nothing but rave about Cam Newton. You know, I, I think when you saw Newton in that team, in that locker room, on that sideline, like he certainly took on that like mentor type of role. Um, and, and so I think, you know, he's he's gone to bat for guys before. He'll go to bat for guys again. Um, but yeah, I mean, he might have been sort of doing him a solid there. Let's go back to the 49ers really quick. And I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, Mark. I promise you that this is probably what my blackened heart wants to happen. What if no trade happens, Jimmy G stays with the 49ers, and Josh Rosen beats him out in camp? I know why you're saying it, you know, because I'm on the show here, and I know why you framed it that way, because that was my QB1. Um, it wouldn't shock me. Um, I'm similar to not giving up on players. I still think that there's a good quarterback inside Josh Rosen. Um, I think he's the kind of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan would love. But I do think that Rosen is another sort of cautionary tale certainly as we get into this rookie class of the information or the lack of information that we have on the outside looking in. Because if you think back to Rosen, if you think back to his evaluation cycle, everybody, and I would put myself in this category, um, that was high on Josh Rosen, part of the reason we said we were high on him was because of what he offered from the mental perspective, right? He was pro-ready. He was ready to handle the requirements of an NFL offense and an NFL playbook. He can run any system, scheme diverse, smart guy, has it from the neck up. And then we learned that he couldn't identify fronts. He couldn't identify the mic. Like he didn't know how to call out protections. Didn't, wasn't asked to do almost anything at the line of scrimmage in that UCLA offense. We didn't know that. You know, obviously NFL teams did, and that was probably part of the reason that he slid to where he did in the draft. You know, so as we start to project NFL development from this next super guys, we have to, again, keep in mind that we don't have all the information teams do. So if you start hearing stories like, oh, quarterback X is sliding because he doesn't do stuff to the line of scrimmage, there might actually be something to that. Now, could Rosen figure it out? I hope so. Shanahan's offense would be the exact ideal system to do it because we've seen that sort of outside zone, play action heavy, boot action heavy, offense prop up quarterback so we could do it for Rosen. Uh, so it's not the wildest that I've heard. Absolutely not. So and and I don't know if I like this comparison, but you, I think it's easy for you to see where I'm going with this. Is Tua the next Rosen? I do think we are seeing that potential. I do think that as we start to look back at Tua's time in Alabama, look what he was asked and wasn't asked to do. Um, see how he sort of struggled this season in Miami's offense. You could see some parallels. You could see some parallels between you know, Rosen and not being NFL ready as we thought. And the same thing with Tua, because a lot of people said the same thing with Tua. Like, look, he's going to be able to run sort of the martyred RPO West Coast offense. And yeah, you know, when you've got three first round talents around you, a four first round talents around you, a wide receiver, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you see, you know, the, the throws that he's asked to make and the reads that he's asked to make, they didn't really need him to do a lot. You know, yeah. it was literally like, you know, RPO mesh, you're going to get four slants from four guys that are going to the first round and throw to the open one. Like, mm -hmm. I'm I'm hobbled, I'm old, but I could probably do that right now. And so, you know, yeah, I think we might see Shane sort of a similar scenario start to play out. And it's probably a big reason why you're hearing that the Dolphins might explore trading for a quarterback because they have a window of contention here. They just missed out on the playoffs. The AFC East looks to be fairly open. Patriots are maybe on the cusp of a rebuild. The Jets are the Jets. Yeah, the Bills are good, but there's a window there to contend, especially now with seven playoff teams in each conference. And so 
if all you're missing is a QB, why wait to develop a guy when you can go get a guy? So, yeah, yeah we might see something similar play out. Do you think they draft a quarterback, 103? <sighs> I don't think they draft a quarterback. I, I think if if they're going to make a move a QB, I think it's more to get an, an established veteran, you know, like a Watson. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think you draft a quarterback at 103 and reset the developmental clock for the quarterback position. If they're going to, if they don't get the trade that they want and they're forced to stick with a younger player, I think they'd rather just have two uh, and a half of a year of playtime under him than running it back with what might be QB three in this class. As good as that player could be. Yeah. Devante Smith said he liked Mac Jones better than Tua. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's more guy guessing up his teammate than anything else. And and that's um, kind of what I was feeling too off it. Like, how do you not say that at, yeah. in the moment? I mean, if he says Tua, then people are going to be like, well, man, what does that mean for Mac Jones? I mean, Tua got drafted in the top five and he's on an NFL roster. Mac Jones is waiting to hear his name called. If Devontae Smith comes out and says, oh, I'd rather play with Tua, Mac Jones' his draft stock maybe takes a hit. So – you know, I, I, I get it all around. I think people are just, look, we're all looking for content right now. And, and that's another thing. Like, I think we're looking for content. And, Mark, I do not look into this anywhere near as close to you. I, I don't have the same resources. But for me, I want to rewind a little bit. And I remember I remember this time last year. I remember understanding in, in the COVID year that had started, so maybe a month or two from now, that we were going to need to be patient on all of these rookies, especially Tua, as far as the quarterbacks were concerned, coming off the injury. He was playing behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. He only started nine games, and now we are unhappy. I mean, I think there's both a micro and a macro thing to discuss here. I mean, with Tua specifically in the COVID situation and coming off the injury, yeah, I, I we have to be patient with them. I think the Dolphins need to be patient with them. But there's also this idea that teams are slowly becoming much less patient at the quarterback position. You know, you're, you, and we know this is a copycat league. Watch what happens with the Rams. You know, if the Rams make a playoff run with Matthew Stafford this year, mm. they get to a Super Bowl this year. Yeah. You were going to see teams just say, man, they did it right. Like, yeah, they gave Goff the extension, but when they realized that he wasn't going to be the guy they hoped, they moved on. Like they're not sending good money after bad. They moved on. They traded for an established guy. We might see more teams just decide that, look, we'll give our guy a year or two, maybe three, but even that might be too long. And if it's not working, forget it. Like why beat our heads against the wall when we can either trade for an established guy or find a new rookie? And so, you know, I, I think that's the sort of bigger conversation we're moving towards this idea that you just move on from mistakes you know you see good franchises do that you see teams like the new england patriots typically the non-qb positions but if they sign a guy and it's not working out i'll just cut them or they'll just trade them and they'll get what they can because there's no point wasting your time you might start seeing that at the qb position now so you bring me home to detroit do you think we stick with Goff? do you think we try to draft a zach wilson type or a trey lance in that area of our you know what I mean? or Yeah, I mean, I, I think what the Lions have done on the other side of the Stafford trade is give themselves some options. Mm-hmm. You know, And I always like when teams give themselves multiple pathways, whether it's to win a game, to construct their roster, whatever. If they decide that there's a quarterback they like and he's available at seven, draft him. Draft him, you know, and you won't have to play him right away. Because 
acquiring Jared Goff has given Detroit some time to figure it out. If they decide that, look, our QB1 is Lance, our QB2 is Wilson, and our QB3 is Fields, and the other guys, you know, we're just not that excited about, and those three guys are gone, and it's a Lance, and it's a Jones, and they just they just don't like them. Why draft QB4 or QB5 when you can get wide receiver one? Yeah. Because you know, that player might be staring at you in the face. And who, so they've given themselves. To you, Mark? <laughs> I mean, it's it's really a pick your poison. I love this wide receiver class. Yeah. Like, I literally just got done watching all the rookies that I'm going to write about. Over at Touchdown Wire, Doug Ferrara, Ferrara and I have like split up positions to do our top 11. And I went to my editors this week and I'm like, I'm doing top 14 at wide receiver. Like, I can't nice. leave some of these guys out. Uh, and part of the reason of why I don't want to leave Amari Rogers off, I, I like him. Um, and yes, I'm including Kyle Pitts as a receiver. Um, I think he's better as a tight end. I think if you draft him and just play him as a receiver, you know, you're losing some of the matchup nightmares he causes. Uh, but wide receiver for me is, is Waddle. No, not Waddle, uh, Chase. Jamar Chase. We've forgotten about Jamar Chase. I, w- I did a video last week on his game against Alabama 2019 against Trayvon Diggs. And you see how he handles an NFL press corner because that's what Trayvon Diggs is. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, you could stack Waddle, Chase, Smith, Rashad Bateman. Take those four, put them in any order. You can defend it in my mind. Like I, I think those guys are great. If, if Smith weighs in, I'd say 175. He probably is the first receiver taken. I think if he comes in closer to 165, teams are going to be a bit wary, um, you know, because he plays big, he plays strong. But, you know, if you're talking about spending a top five pick on a receiver that doesn't fit the mold and is a true outlier, it's going to be risky. But I love all of these guys. You know, I just look Chase, yeah. Waddle, Smith, Bateman, you know, even down the list of Tony, Elijah Moore, um, DME Brown. I think, you know, there aren't many X receiver types in this class. I think Chase fits that. Uh, but Brown's an interesting guy at that position. Bateman can do some of that stuff too. It's a, I love this wide receiver class. It's so yeah. good. Do you think that the success of players like T. Higgins, Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, even Calvin Ridley from 2018, the success of some of those wide receivers, CeeDee Lamb even, I think you can include in that, Brandon Ayuk, do you think that that has put the value of our 2021 rookie picks too high or do you do you like the wide receiver class that much like personally? no i like this class that much yeah i, I really do um it, it's such a great group and i mean there are some risks in there i mean like a rondale moore for example i love what he could do but he's definitely like lavishka 2.0 and you've got an, an injury history uh to deal with but i think you know i was talking about this on another show with the advent of Flag football at the youth level, seven on seven. Like when I was growing up and when I was playing Pop Warner, I mean, you ran the ball. You ran the ball like every single play because it was just easier to do. Um, but now the teams are, now the kids are playing in flag leagues and seven on seven leagues rather than playing Pop Warner football. You can't really run inside run stuff. So kids are throwing the ball. Like spread offenses are what they're doing at nine years old rather than turning it and handing it off. So you're seeing all these kids coming out of high school and coming out of college, like especially at the receiver position, like ready to go. And so I think that's why you're seeing every year more and more of these like deep wide receiver classes. Like you're going to see guys drafted on day three, you know, Dwayne Eskridge or Cade Johnson or Amari Rogers or whoever you want to put in that group. Um, they're going to be solid NFL contributors as rookies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love this receiver class. I love this quarterback class at the top. Um, it's going to be a fun draft cycle. Well, and that's what I was going to say, say, and you're seeing so many talented quarterbacks 
come out too the last couple of years, and some of them just need that opportunity. So then you have Dallas Bears, Denver Saints, Detroit's 49ers, Washington. You could say all a little unsettled at quarterback. A couple of them we've already talked about, but then go to Washington. Do you think, are you interested in Heineke at all? I mean, I think, you know, similar to the conversation we have with Detroit, Heineke gives them an option. Um, but I don't think they can just say, look, Taylor Haneke is our QB1 going into 2021, full stop. He's our week one starter. Like, I think you have to explore opportunities. I think there's a reason you've heard the Cam Newton name thrown around. I mean, a reunion with Ron Rivera, um, Scott Turner. Like, I I think that would make some sense for them, uh, should he not find his way back to New England. I think there's a reason a lot of people say that, you know, maybe there are some that say the floor for Mac Jones is 10. Others say it's 15. You know, I, I think the floor is 19 in this draft because if he's there at 19, he just screams Washington football team to me, you know, because this is a team that made the playoffs last year with a hodgepodge of whatever, a quarterback. Five and one with Alex Smith. Yeah, who they're going to let go, it yep, seems sounds like. like and, it. And, and so, you know, if they can just get somebody that's not going to make mistakes, not turn the football over, like throw it away on third and seven rather than force a bad pick and let your defense go out there and do what they do, that's Mac Jones. I mean – there's a reason why you hear safe, you hear floors, you hear things like that when it comes to Mac Jones. I think the more like old school, conservative minded, defensive minded head of this kid, because he's not going to make you look bad. So if he's somehow available at 19, I think Washington runs to the podium and say, look, you know, we'll try Taylor Haneke. If it doesn't quite work, we've got a guy that's at least going to keep us in contention and keeping you in contention might win you the division yet again in that NFC East. Yeah. And then even I hate to compare it to fantasy, but once you're in contention and you you get through divisions, like sometimes anything could happen. And I love a, a wild card story. Um, my, my question now, I wanted to go to Philly because I hear like, the possibility of Philly maybe moving up to take Justin Fields, maybe taking the him at eight. Do you think that they're done with Hertz? Like, or do you think Jalen Hurts is the guy? You know, I, I think I don't think they're done with Hertz, but I don't think they can go all in on him either. You know, and I think it's a similar argument to some of the other teams we've talked about. You know, if you're if you stay at six and a guy you like is there, I think you take him. You know, because that guy might not be ready to go right away or he might, you know, not be able to go week one, but you could work him in through the season. You might still like Hurts, but you have an opportunity then to either move one of those players down the road or develop that player and move the other. You know, I think you give yourself some options if there's a guy you like. Now, if the guy you like is only going to be there at, say, three, and you have to give up a ton to go get him, you know, then I think you sort of stay pad and you run it back with Hurts. You know, and maybe you have to go quarterback next year because it doesn't quite work out, but you at least have the opportunity to do that because you haven't traded the farm to go get a guy that might be QB3 that you might not like. And that's the other thing to keep in mind is, you know, a lot of this will really come down to how these front offices and scouting departments feel about who who QB3 is and where they evaluate that player vis-a-vis their big board. You know, because it's one thing to have the sort of vertical boards. It's another thing to have the horizontal board where you're just looking at the entire class. And so, you know, I I don't think Philly is necessarily locked into a quarterback, but they have to like the player that could be available to them and like the cost if they have to go up to get that guy. 
I want to ask, so when you're looking at these guys now, have you, like, no combine this year, through the COVID year, have you changed your process at all through 2020, 2021, or pretty much maintaining the, the same thing? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it, it comes back to what they do on film. Um, you know, I don't really look at combines too much, particularly at the quarterback position. The testing matters for tight end. The testing matters for receiver. Like, you know, and, and it's a way to either – back up what you saw on film or make you take another look at it. Like take Hunter Long, the BC tight end. Okay. You know, I don't think he's like an explosive athlete or anything, but if you were to come out and run, say a four or five, I'd be like, wait a second, did I miss something on film? And then you go back or if he runs a four, nine, it's like, okay, well that's kind of what I expected. And that's kind of how I use it for receivers too. You know, with, with quarterbacks, I do look at mechanics. You know, I look to see, are they, have they changed things? And if so, what have they changed? And and Hertz is an example of that. Hertz had a bit of a loopy delivery um, at Oklahoma, at Alabama. Um, and he really tightened it up. And you could tell that and he, he had it tightened up actually at the Cedar Bowl last year. And so, you know, that's what I look at at quarterbacks. Like, you better, you know, if you throw 21 throws at the combine, you better hit on 20 of them. Like, if you're 10 of 21 at the combine throwing session, like, we've got a problem. Um and so I expect you to throw great versus air, even though some of these guys are guys you've never thrown to before. Like you mm-hmm. should be able to put the ball where it needs to be. Um, so my process chain really hasn't changed that much. And what's interesting is, you know, without the combine, without the senior bowl, you know, so I'm not traveling. I think it mirrors a lot of what scouts are doing. You know, I've talked to some scouts who are like, I'm not traveling each weekend. And so, or I'm traveling like one weekend a month where I'll be on the road every year, every weekend last year. So what am I doing? I'm just watching more guys on film. I'm watching more tape on guys. And so I think the scouts themselves, and I've talked to Dan Hatman about this, who's a former scout, who's talked to a lot more scouts than I have. Um, they love this year because they're like, look, it's just the film. And I can sit in my office and watch 10 guys a day, and I'm not going anywhere, rather than taking a Friday to travel to Tuscaloosa, which is a tough place to get to, and ask any anybody that's sat in the press box. You really don't see that much. Like, yeah, you could walk down to the sideline and you can see the ball come off a guy's hand. You can see what the guys look like at a, you know, a field level. But once that game kicks off, you know, you can't rewind. You can't spin things back. Like, so you miss stuff sitting in the press box and then it's going to take you another eight hours to get home. So there's 16 hours of travel when you could have watched how many guys on film. That's um, a good so, point. So I think, you know, my process will probably mirror a lot of scouts in that, I'm watching more guys. I'm getting deeper into guys. Like last year, maybe I watched 25 receivers. You know, I've probably like I've watched 50 at this point. You know, and so maybe that's even just, more productive. Yeah, and that's just one guy who's doing content, not one guy who's doing out. You know, cranking out scouting reports. So extrapolate that to an area scout for your favorite NFL team, and you can imagine the kind of work they'll have done once this draft kicks off. So I, I think. The scouts are going to love this cycle because they don't have to worry about that stuff so much. They can just watch tape. I love that. In in your watching tape then, for the 2021 class, have you found anybody that you feel higher on than other people or lower on from the quarterbacks? I mean, it's it's weird. This is, Shane, this is such – because usually I'm the guy that will pick up – I've joked about it with Matt Waldman at times because I feel like Matt and I always pick up the shield and the sword for the day three guys, right? And I'll go out there, like Brett Rippin a couple of years ago was my QB4, and I'm, I'm out there bending the table for these guys, and the guy will go on and complete seven of 19 for 84 yards and a touchdown and interception in the Hall of Fame game, and then he'll be selling insurance after that. Like, 
I'm usually the guy that loves the day three quarterbacks. This is such a shaky, shaky year on say day three. Um, really after you get at, after you get past the first five, um, cause you've got question marks at all of them. Um, Kellen Bond is intriguing, but inconsistent. Jamie Newman is intriguing, but opted out. And that offense awaked in him no favors. You know, a guy that I, two guys that I like at the real deep end of it, Zach Thomas from App State, Brady White from Memphis. Thomas is a bit undersized. White's going to be 25 when his rookie season starts. Um, and he's really schematically limited. Like he's West Coast or nothing. Like the arm strength is an issue there. Uh, so it's a, any other year, I would have been like, man, this is this is the dream. Like, I'll be watching these random D3 quarterbacks. These guys and I'll be need like, a voice. Yeah. <laughs> Let but, me be but, it. <laughs> but this is the one year, Shane, where I'm like, I just, even I don't know about this. And if, and if I'm out there saying I don't know about the day three options in this group, that will tell you something. So, you know, are there some dart throws? Sure. Um, but they're dart throws for a reason. Any Kyle Trask love? I mean... You know, I think he's getting into that tier, Jones, Trask, Mond, where like if things go right for him, it could work. But how often do we see it really go right? You know, I, I think he handles pressure a bit better than he's given credit for. I think his arm is a bit better than it's been given credit for. A lot of people looked at that bowl game and just said, no, I'm done. Wipe their hands of him. Um, but I do think that it's going to have to be in the right environment. I do think he's going to need weapons around him and talent around him and protection around him and things like that. Um, you know, he'll end up QB six, but I think there's a reason why you might see Mac Jones come off the board, say he comes off the board 19. You might not see a quarterback until day three. Like, I, I think it's that kind of year. Maybe Trask because quarterbacks get bumped up. Maybe he sneaks into day two. Maybe he is at the end of the second round. But I think, you know, if you look at many big boards, you see a big gap from Jones to, to Kyle Trask, maybe of like a hundred spots. Do you feel do you feel like this is taking it such a different direction? Do you feel like you see a landing spot coming for Mitch Trubisky or even somebody like Gardner Minshew? You know, it's funny you mentioned those two players together because it wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see Minshew in Chicago. You know, I, right. I think you look at what they need from the quarterback position. They need somebody to get the ball out on time in rhythm and let guys make the play after the catch. And, and Minshew can do that. I think when you watched jacksonville at the start of the year last year they won in week one i i think jay gruden put together a west coast kind of offense that had Minshew just be a point guard just get the ball out of your hands quickly let guys do work after the catch chanel shark checking yep. it down to robinson then he you know, got Minshew injured could, then he got injured and other guys got injured and it kind of fell apart and they lost 15 straight you know but if that's all you need which is i think all chicago needs then Minshew can I mean the music has to stop sometime and he'll have to find a chair somewhere. Um let's I mean a dart throw could be Philadelphia, you know. Mm. You know, there are a lot of people who thought if there was an Eagles, Bears trade that like Foles or Minshew might um, or Trubisky might get included in there. You know, and obviously there'll be some similarities between, you know, what we expect that offense to be, even though Sirianni's, you know, it's still that same West Coast school of thought. Um you know, if they decide, look, we don't want to take the quarterback at six. You know, we'd rather we've got an other holes, secondary linebacker, receiver. Like we could go in a bunch of different directions. If we can get Mitchell Trubisky on the cheap, you know, that will at least give us another option at the quarterback position to kick that decision down the road to 2021 because we've got so many other holes as a franchise to contend with. So, you know, maybe Philly, but 
you know, what about Denver. Denver is interesting because we have no idea what their new GM really thinks about the quarterback position, right? Or what he has to you think. Know, Are there things he has to yeah. think about Drew Locke? I think he's supposed to like him to have that job. Yeah, I mean, you would think, but all the reporting has been that they're letting him go in with his own approach. You know, Elway is apparently the guy that loves law. Yeah. And Elway's sort of stepped to the side now. And, you know, maybe, you know, Trubisky is interested in that, you know, you see some of the things they do on offense. And yeah, he could fit that, you know, the outside zone, wide zone, play action, all that kinds of stuff that has propped up bad quarterbacks or, you know, okay quarterbacks. And, and Trubisky could fit there too. I mean, you know, He's going to be the guy that's like left standing at the end of this that we'll have to find a chair when the music stops. And, you know, or maybe Chicago just says, look, you know, we've got such a cap problem anyway. Right. Like we'll have to just swallow our pride and run it back with Mitchell Trubisky for 2021, which is I don't know how that's going to save Ryan Pace's job. But and then Gardner's traded to to Denver challenges Drew Locke for the job takes it because your boy brett rippon maybe played better than drew Locke in his one opportunity last year you could i that think a, you could argue that you could argue that that was a glorious thursday night man <laughs> until he threw that those bad couple of picks man i was i was ready to cash in all my chips and dunk on everyone and then <laughs> oh man he looked but he did lead them to a win on the road on a short week um but yeah i mean we have to wait for the big dominoes to start falling I mean, and we'll get that in the next couple of weeks. But like, you know, if there's a Wilson trade, if there's a Watson trade, you know, how teams start. Because Dak gets tagged. If Dak gets tagged. I mean, because teams have to start stacking their boards. Like, we're getting into that time of year where now front offices are meeting. They're starting to put boards together. They're starting to realize, okay, look, you know, we need to address quarterback, but we're picking at 15 and we can't do it in the draft. We just won't be able to unless something crazy happens. You have to start having a plan for it. And so I think we'll start to see movement. And once we start seeing movement, you'll see, you know, where these, how this all sort of shakes out. But I, I, I do think those are the big names that have to go first. And on a gross note here, would Andy Dalton be an upgrade for Denver or Chicago? I think for Chicago, yeah. I mean, I'm not so. Sh- I'm not ready to. I we know what we have in Chicago, and both Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. We know what we have, and with where Andy Dalton is right now as a quarterback, you know, I mentioned getting the ball out on time and rhythm with anticipation. Like that's what that's what Andy Dalton can do. He has enough athleticism that he can be a factor in the run game. So you can play eleven on eleven in the run game. You can do some of that zone read, outside zone stuff, things like that. I think, yeah. I, I think there's a case to be made that in Chicago, Dalton's an upgrade. In Denver, I'm not as it's not as easy a case because I'm not ready to give up on Drew Law. I know there are people in Denver and around that Denver area. Um, I love me some Colorado. I love me some Mile High, mile high Air. Um, but I, they're ready to move on. I'm not. Um, I know Tim Jenkins, who's out there, does quarterback stuff. He's a huge believer in Drew Locke. Um, There are moments when it's like, man, it's coming together for him. There are moments when it's not. Um, so I'm, I'm not ready to say that Dalton will be a definitive upgrade on Locke. I think there's potential still there with Locke. But in Chicago, yeah, I think he would be. Yeah, I love it. It's going to be – it's such an interesting offseason this year. I, I'm enjoying watching this quarterback it's, carousel it, we've all spoke of so much. It's so fun. And, you know, I, I'm literally right now in the process of writing my underrated offensive free agents for USA Today – and the way I frame it is the NFL, say what you want about the shield, the league, the commissioner, they do such a great job at packaging hope. You know, if you're a fan of 31 teams, your team didn't win a Super Bowl. Um, 
but sitting here right now, you can log on to over the cap and you can see, Ooh, we've got cap space. We can sign these guys, and these guys, and we could just be like one good draft pick away. And so from now until September, 31 fan bases are talking themselves into a Super Bowl, and it the NFL just prints money based on hope, and that's what everybody's doing. And let, look, you, you know, with, with the fantasy industry, it's it's similar, right? Yeah. Like if you're in a dynasty yeah. league and you've got, you know, Chris Godwin, you're just like waiting to see where he lands, or better yet, Allen Robinson, you're thinking, man, if he could somehow get to. Maybe he yeah. returns to Jacksonville and he's catching passes from Trevor Lawrence instead of Blake Bortles. Or, you know, maybe he somehow gets to, gosh, would, would uh, a team like, say, Carolina that has money to spend, maybe they go out and get a new quarterback and you got you paired him with, with, you know, Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey and that Joe Brady offense. Like, it's hope for fantasy players right now, too. And so, yeah, I mean, this is such a great time of year. Say what you want about the NFL. They make some crazy decisions, but the way they can like sort of package hope for everybody, it keeps us tuned in all spring long. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I love that. That's a great way to end the show. I am at Swagzilla Zero G. This is at Super Flexible Podcast. On at Superflex City. Follow at Superflex Show. Superflexperts. Snake in the Draft. Definitely follow at Mark Schofield on Twitter. I'll have that in the show comments too. Mark, tell us anywhere else they need to go. I tried to cover a couple things at the beginning of the show, but like you said, dude, you do so much. I appreciate you being here. Can't thank you enough, Mark. Always a pleasure. Oh, Shane, it's always great to, to come on and hop on and shop it up with you. I always love doing it. Um, you can follow me on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. That's probably the easiest. Um, USA Today's Touched One Wire. Um, Pat's Pulpit, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation over at SB Nation. I do sometimes do some stuff with uh, Matt Waldman. Um, stay tuned. Matt and I are cooking up something nice for later this week, which I think nice. people that are intrigued by the rookie quarterbacks will enjoy. Um, but yeah, at Mark Schofield on the Bird app. Little teaser there. Little teaser there, man. Appreciate you, dude. Shout out to Zach Reed for the intro outro played today. You haven't made me like Tua anymore today. <laughs> really? I'm trying to be patient. I have one share mark, and and I and I, I just acquired it in a move, and and I'm just I'm not exactly sure how I feel about it. I feel like he could gain value still, but I mean, if they draft a quarterback or make if a they trade, draft or trade like. I'd almost rather they trade because then they're probably trading Tua to like the Texans or something like yeah, that. Where you know he'd get run and they yep. try to build around him. Um, yeah, but if they draft somebody, it's like you might not get much for him. I mean, it might be a situation where if they do trade him to Houston, which they might do, you could flip him then, you know? Maybe go trade him to Matthew Stafford. Yeah. No, he has a job. 